0: welcome to the Swing Smarter Monthly – well, not monthly newsletter anymore. Last time Joe and I got on, it was the Swing Smarter Monthly Newsletter. Now it is the Swing Smarter Hitting Training Podcast. So first, I want to welcome you to the show, Joe.
1: Thank you, Joey. Thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> we got we to collect our Joes and Joeys, as many as we can on one call.
2: Yeah, it's not too many.
0: <laughs> well, hey, this is a take two or part two, not take two because we didn't do it over. This is a part two to our Sports Psychology of Hitting Series and Joe's got 10 and we'll go over those just briefly, uh, but 10 different principles, sports psychology principles that he's, that he's got in the system that he works with. And we're going to be going over the second one today, which is the unconscious brain versus the, uh, the conscious brain. So Joe, just give people who, who didn't listen to the first episode, just a little bit about your background that makes you more, makes you credible to talk on sports psychology.
1: Uh, well, I taught in northern New Jersey for 41 years, and uh, I coached baseball f- different levels for 38. I was varsity coach for 21, and uh, I retired in 2014, and uh, I still did some coaching at a uh, Catholic school down in uh, New Jersey, and I I did that for four years, and then COVID came around and interrupted 2020 season and 2021 season. it's all the players were graduated and they, they missed their senior season. And I, I decided not to go back, but I've been doing this since I retired writing these articles, just for the heck of it. Um, I taught a sports psychology class that I created at my school. And uh, that was the only class I, I, Took with me. I put everything in a couple of big notebooks and I said, ah. So I, I wrote this way back in the early nineties for my players. It was only just a few pages. Just basic things. And, uh, I said, one day I'm going to expand on this and take the stuff that I was using in my, my sports psychology class, like different units. And, uh, probably my famous favorite one was, uh, you know, the conscious, unconscious aspect of, you know, how the brain works.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I saved a lot of things like, uh, like a lot of the articles are from like, there was a one about Mike Schmidt from 1983 and George Brett from 1980. And you know, I, I, there was an article from New York times magazine in uh, 1989 called finding or find the zone or finding zone. And I saved that from 1989, the hard copy. I probably still have it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, I said, this, this stuff is really, you know, it, it I, I was interested in, it. I mean, I was interested in this stuff since I was in college. Right. And I did a term paper relating this book. I think I mentioned that last time, Psychocybernetics. Maxwell mm-hmm. Maltz. And, uh, I related it to the game of handball. How basically when you try to hit a kill shot, you can't. And when you, don't try to hit a kill shot. You do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was I, 19, 20, 21 years old. That, that kind of drove me crazy. And if you're strong willed, it's probably a disadvantage. I, I think George Brett probably had that problem in 1980, trying to hit 400.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh so I, I, I was always interested in it. I just never found uh, an outlet for it more mm-hmm. or less. And uh, well, what I
0: think what's interesting is your your journey is like my journey when it into the hitting side of things. Right. I, you know, you're not a sports performance psychologist, just like I'm not a biomechanist or a physicist or a, an electrical engineer. Right. Where I can talk about hitting. But I think the thing both you and I have in common is we have a passionate curiosity for an aspect of hitting. Now, you do the mechanical side, but the it seems like the sports psychology side has really been the bug in your brain that has never really deafened down. And no. so that, so Joe has been on an obsessive grabbing information about sports uh, performance psychology and reading into it. And you can have a, a master's in it without having a master's in it. So that's, that's what I like about Joe. He's, he's always thinking about this stuff and it's, it's thinking about this stuff almost obsessively like you said. I mean he's got hard copies of some of these articles that go date back into the 80s and and the 90s and things like that. I mean that's that's somebody who's really into something and is going into different nooks and crannies of it and and that. But um before we dig into the deeper part of the unconscious brain versus the conscious brain, go over your 10 your 10 okay. pillars that you talk about. And, and and again, you don't have to go deep into any of them. We're going to go deep into the second one.
1: Well, um well there's 10 Last time I forgot number nine, so you inspired <laughs> me to put number nine into number eight. Okay, do the first part of number ten, and uh, make that number nine. So, uh, here goes. The other thing is this: uh, the conscious, unconscious. That's not the second one. Remember the? Oh, that's right. The four the and five, of, right? I did a series of articles for uh, a website
2: mm-hmm.
1: called Mind Design Sports dot org. Yep. Uh, started by a then sophomore at Ridgewood High School in New Jersey. Um, and he, it's kind of amazing what he did. He, he brought in people from like over 30 countries around the world on this project. Mm -hmm. And I was just, uh, texting him the other day because he texted me, when, when was this, when's the Spanish meeting? Mm. I guess you got me mixed up with somebody else. And <laughs> like I try to write my my best Spanish. I haven't taken Spanish in a long time, but you know, like you know <laughs> comprende, like, what are you like what are you talking about? Yeah. Well anyway, uh the ten rules. First one is know yourself. And I took personality theories from uh I took personality theories from, you know, the personality chapter in my psychology book and just incorporated them into uh hitting like mm-hmm. a hitting mindset. And uh I I that, I found that interesting. Um second one is uh know the pitcher. And I have like 15 different things under that mm-hmm. as to what the picture does. Kind of like you know what people talk about now about what your approach is and uh that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the third one is know the situation. I did a takeoff on um the poem casey at the bat and i incorporated uh concepts from uh the social uh cognitive theory albert Bandura, and i applied it to uh casey at the bat Mm -hmm. and uh namely reciprocal determinism how your thoughts and affect your behavior and your behavior affects your thoughts and your thoughts affect the you know like they're mutually um they affect each other all three of them and um I put that into case at had the bat. The fourth one was um you know, the the so called paralysis through analysis. And the fifth one um was basically uh, you know, you can't make yourself hit, you can't force yourself to hit, you can't try to hit. George Brett talked about that a lot in nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez talked about it when he was going for his five hundredth home run. mm mm-hmm. Um The sixth one is the conscious brain versus the unconscious brain, and um we 'll go into that today that 's one of the articles that 's on the website mm-hmm. and um number seven is um don't beat yourself and then I go into the emotional and even do a thing on fear and uh, i'm finishing that up and then i 'm done with this project. <laughs> uh, I'm doing a thing on fear. I even like incorporated probably my favorite short story of all time is the legend of Sleepy Hollow. And, you know, how Ichabod Crane in the, in the story was, you know, he was afraid, you know, it was his own imagination that caused him to be afraid. There was no headless horseman. Mm. Uh, Number eight was deal with the ups and downs, which I threw in, uh number nine and made it part of number eight. And the number nine was uh you um have to uh even when you hit the ball well you know you might fail. So I incorporated that in number eight. Mm. And number nine um is now uh live in the moment. Mm. I took that from number ten because number ten was quite long. And number ten I changed to uh find the zone but the subtitle was let or let the zone find you which mm. is more the case mm-hmm. i mean you can't find the zone mm-hmm. I mean, you can't hit a home run when you try uh alex rodriguez said that right I found that out the hard way you can't do a kill shot and handball by trying mm-hmm. so i mean let the zone find you it, and. I go into uh there's a great book. I don't think I mentioned it the last time. It was from uh the nineteen fifties, believe it or not. Mm. And and the remarkable thing about this whole thing is now it's like common. Everybody's like into this stuff. But this stuff goes back, it, it goes back to like nineteen fifties. This book called Zen and the Art of Archery. It's mm. about a either a student or a a teacher in Japan who wanted to learn to be an expert archer so he you know got in with this this expert archery teacher and and they go into the whole thing and it's so applicable to hitting that it's it's like you know it's incredible Mm -hmm. and uh i mean i go back and read the highlighted things that i very short book i think you can get it on amazon it's really really a great book and so i included a part about archery then i i kind of uh got fascinated with um, rock climbers. And it was a series on PBS uh, by a Stanford uh, neuroscientist by the name of uh, David Eagleman. And he, he uh, you know, he went in about rock climbers. And then, you know, Alice Honnold came along. And he scaled El Capitan without any ropes or free solo for those documentary on Netflix. Yes. (laughs) That, that's like just looking at him and and even the photographers, the people, they got Academy Awards for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the shots, they they like make your stomach turn, you know, like, (laughs) do this. And there was a study, they did a study on him where they did a brain scan of him on his amygdala
2: Hmm.
1: and they did all these tests and like trying to, uh, uh, elicit fear and, you know, the participants of the study and all this stuff and his amygdala, which is, you know, basically for in simple terms, it's, it's where your fears are processed or
0: where they lie or, uh, the reptilian part of the brain. It's, it's the, when they say is missing in serial killers. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, his uh his amygdala didn't light up in the experiment. <laughs> and he made the comment that, you know, do I have one? And, <laughs> uh, you know, the people conducting the experiment says, yeah, you have one. It just doesn't light up. <laughs> in other words, he had no fears. And I said, you know, I'm thinking, uh I mean, because, you know, when I was coaching, um you put people in situations or you wind up in situations that some of them never really anticipated or imagined. Mm-hmm. And like being in, uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, uh, they have a county tournament, which is, I think it's going on 60 years now. And it's, it's a big deal. And, uh, we were a small school, small group two school. And, uh, there were Catholic schools that are large powerhouses and they could draw kids from far, and, you know, near and far. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah, know, it was pretty tough to compete against them. Matter of fact, one of the schools was coached by Mike Stanton, pitched for the Yankees,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, when we played them in the county tournament and, um, uh, it, you know, that's the kind of competition we were up against. And probably in their wildest imaginations, they didn't anticipate getting in the county finals twice in a five-year period, which was unheard of for a school our size at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're dealing with fear and you're dealing with emotion. And, you know, how do you deal with that as a coach? I even, I showed them, uh, one one year I showed them the cartoon version of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm. And one of the players asked my assistant coach, why do you show us that? Yeah. And my response to my assistant coach was because he's one of the people who are guilty, you know, of mm-hmm. uh, being afraid of headless horsemen that don't exist.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, one year I had this parent. There was a, a good pitcher on a team we played in a state tournament. See, the, the interesting thing about New Jersey or at least Bergen County, New Jersey, is that the county tournament the state tournament was going on at the same time. Mm. Or it used to be. And then they they kind of staggered it a little bit. So to compete in both tournaments at the same time was like for a school, our side, a group two school, there's four groups, group one, group two, group three, group four, against, you know, the type of competition we faced was difficult. You just didn't have enough arms to go, you know, to make it. And mm-hmm. we did. And, um, but, you know, you're dealing with, so this father, we're getting ready to play this team in, in the state tournament. And he starts telling the kids that this opposing pitcher on the other team, who we never wound up facing in the state tournament anyway, We've, we faced the other kid, who was probably their best pitcher, mm. didn't throw anywhere like in the nineties, but the father's going around telling us, telling our kids, that the picture we might face throws like 95 miles an hour. And I remember I was in a delicatessen in town getting lunch and I heard that this guy said this like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. I said, that's all. these kids walking around saying, we're going to face a petrol 95 miles an hour. So I'm trying to counter that. And this is when uh, newspapers, you know, you've got your information from, Printed newspapers, not online. Mm-hmm. And I went looking for the statistics because I used to put the statistics, the high school statistics in uh, every, like, Monday. And I went back to an old issue, got it. And the kid was, like, ranked 15th in strikeouts. So I said to my team, this kid doesn't throw 95. I said, if he throws
2: 95,
1: guess what? He'd be striking out, uh, you know, 18 kids a game, maybe 21 kids a game. And nobody mm-hmm. would touch him. Right. Throwing a legitimate 95 back, you know, a few years back before nobody threw 95. Now everybody does. And, um, so I found it, you know, and put it on the bulletin board and say, here, this guy doesn't throw 95. He threw 95. He wouldn't be 15th in strikeouts. Right. <laughs> so, so you're dealing with that, you know, as a coach and, you know, you're trying to like dip into all the resources you possibly can and, uh, yeah, you know, I was always interested in this sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so let's segue that into the unconscious and uh, conscious brain, the differences in those. And I know we, you've, t- I know, I love the stories that you tell because there's a lot of your principles in those stories. And and some of the stories you've told, there's elements of that unconscious un- unconscious brain. So what I want you to do is just kind of briefly explain the difference between the conscious brain. The unconscious brain, and then what I like you to do is tear, uh, tie in the the cup experiment with the kid. Oh, okay. Um,
1: I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not.
0: <laughs> I'm not a, a
1: psychologist. Learner. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I'm certified to teach psychology in the state of New Jersey, which you need a separate certification. So everything I learned, I learned, you know, the hard way. You know. Teach us there's an old saying, if you want to learn something, teach it. (laughs) Obsession, you're right. And I had great, great textbooks. Uh great textbooks. And um I taught advanced placement psychology too. And that text I still use that textbook. That was like incredible. Mm -hmm. And there's all this stuff in there. And so obviously I gravitated towards it, but um the thing one before I, I forget I use stories to, I I tell stories to, uh, to teach things.
0: Exactly. Which is great.
1: I relate it. I relate it to whatever, you know, I, you know, like the story of Mike Schmidt, it's kind of like unforgettable story of George Brett. It's kind of on, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't forget that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so that's what I do. And, and basically I'm, I'm telling stories, um, in uh in these these articles that I wrote, uh, the last one I did a thing on distractions and related it to Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor with the Mets with the thumbs down controversy thing mm. so that's what I was doing but anyway, basically the more recently developed um parts of the brain, you know your thinking parts um you know the parts that that land rockets on the moon and and uh you know, invent um you know, sticky notes and white out mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now that part of the brain, the ones that, that do your algebra homework for you and uh that sort of stuff. Um that gets in the way of your athletic performance. And the lower parts of the brain, around the brainstem, the the limbic system, you know, like um you know, your, your hippocampus, your, your, especially your cerebellum and, uh, the amygdala gets involved and, uh, there's a part called the basal ganglia, mm-hmm. which from what I, that's when I first ran into reading that article from New York Times Magazine that, uh, mm-hmm. the journalist was Lawrence Shainberg that's where I first ran into basal ganglia. What what the heck's basal ganglia? So actually I I was teaching my psychology class about the basal ganglia and I had all kinds of diagrams on the parts. I forgot all the different parts, but you know, it's how, what you take in from your senses gets, you know, um, transferred to wherever regions of the brain that, that do it. But the thing is, is that, you know, when you're really, um when you're really performing well, you know, in the zone type of thing, you don't even realize you're doing what you're doing. Um, who was it? David, uh, David Epstein. Mm. He wrote a book called the performance cortex. I think he did a, he did a review on, on Amazon for uh, another book. Um, I forget which one it was.
0: He did the sports, Except, gene. sports gene too, I think. Yeah. He might have been done.
1: Yeah. He, he might've been the guy who did sports Gene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: performance cortex might've been the book that he was, I'd have to check reviewing. I, I wind up doing things that I, you know, you get me into questions and then I start relating to things and I forget stuff that, you know, <laughs> anyway, he wrote this really interesting thing on Amazon in a review and he says, the, th- the fascinating thing about I'm paraphrasing. The fascinating thing about athletes is that um, when they're doing what they are really good at what they, what they do, They don't even realize they're doing it, Mm -hmm. and I said, "Gee, that's that's really great." And uh, I I put the quote on um, that article on the unconscious brain and and versus the conscious brain thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, "That that, that's really, you know, that's really, really, really good." And then, and that's the article where you know I talked about Mike Schmidt and uh, his problems with self-awareness. And then there's uh, a quote at the end of the movie Bolt Durham by Annie Savoy, played by Susan Sarandon. She says, um, "The world is made for people who aren't cursed um, with self awareness, or I think something like that." Mm-hmm. And obviously, she was referring to Luke, who she was like totally like out there. <laughs> And, uh, that's, you know, like I, uh, I put that into the, I didn't put that into the article originally and, and I ran across that quote. So I added it to the, you know, the old mental rules of hitting thing that I've been working on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's it. You know, it's in like Mike Schmidt back in 1983, I guess he was a, he thought too much. You know, and Pete Rose said some problem with Mike is that he cares too much. Mm. <laughs> Mike's Schmidt's manager, Paul Owens, I guess he was old school, not, you know, not enlightened in new age psychology. He said that, uh, Schmidt was just insecure. You know, how do you say that? You guys are all of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, he struggled, he struggled with thinking too much. Mm-hmm. said, so I admit I'm too self aware. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you shut that off? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, I, I, it, it drove me crazy that when I wasn't trying, you know, I did something good. When I was trying, I didn't do anything good.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, <laughs> there were no, you know, like I didn't have a psychology teacher in high school. So here, read this book. I know what you I know what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, or even a college professor. The professor that I wrote that paper about handball and psychocybernetics, I mean, she didn't say, you know, you're on to something.
2: Mm.
1: You know, this is you know, no one knew, you know, like even you know, today everybody you'll see that people have like, all oh, right, you know, they give you a step by step thing, but it's not really a step by step thing. It's like driving down a car, you know, like driving in a car down the street and a deer runs out in front of you, which happens up here quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Deer runs out in front of you. What do you do? You know, I got to pick my foot up. I got to put it on the brake. I got to mm-hmm. step so hard. I got to maybe turn my, you know, like, you don't do that at all. It's just, you react.
0: Well, it's interesting too. You say that about being self-aware and I was one of those players that was too self-aware as well. And I found that whenever I got super frustrated being too self-aware and knowing my surroundings a little bit too much and my performance wasn't doing very well, when I finally got to the point of frustration and or disappointment where I just finally said, you know what? I don't care. Yeah. He said, I don't care. And I'm going to walk away from this thing. I don't care how horrible or good or whatever. And it seemed like every time. And like you said, it's not a, Conscious thing per se. you It's it's an unconscious emotional reaction. Yeah. And once you can get that unconscious emotional reaction of I don't, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to take two days. I'm not going to think about it. And I'm, you know, hey, it is what it is. And it was like at within those one or two days, something clicks. And right. You, you make your adjustment. That
1: moment, the moment you said I don't care anymore, you mm-hmm. just turned your brain on. Yeah. Right. It happened to me. I had a pinch hit home run in college. Coach, you know, bench, he benched a bunch of you and we had a lousy senior year. <laughs> I was sitting on the bench. He brings me up and then on first and second late in the game, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there stewing on the bench mm-hmm. game. And then I walk up there. I so said, now he, you know, now he wants me to like save the day here.
2: You know, and <laughs> I've been sitting
1: around, you know, and I went up there trying to hit a three run home run of course. the First couple pitches, I didn't. And then I fouled one off down the left field line and squared it up. Hit a long, you know, I just got out in front of it. Long, uh, flag ball down the left field line. And the coach from the other team said to the pitcher, keep it in the park. Mm. That's what he said to him.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, and I stepped out of the box and, and I remember saying to myself, screw it. You know, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. I walk in there and hit 3 your home run.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah.
1: And the, and the coach saying in a, to his pitcher, keep it in the park, must have, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He got my mind off of myself. And I said, geez, why did he say that? Mm. And uh I told the story the last time about, you know, my assistant coach in the county tournament. And I sent my assistant coach out. He was my first-year assistant coach mm-hmm. to talk to my team because they were starting to, like, lose it late in the game. hmm and I sent him out there, and they're going, "What's he doing out here?" And like, and, and they were thinking so much about him going out there to talk to him, and not me,
2: because mm-hmm.
1: uh, I said, "If I go out there, you know, who knows what's going to happen." <laughs> and um, they walk out there, and they're like talking to themselves, "What's he doing out here? Why did I send him out?" It mm-hmm. was just like so unusual, and it got their minds off of what they were doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially came out won again.
0: Yeah, it's uh, like a pattern interrupt.
1: Yes, we talked about that. There's a it's in the article I mentioned a, a neuroscientist at the University the, of California, San Francisco.
0: Was that the cup, and, cup flip guy or the cup stack guy? No, no, not not yet. That's okay. Eagleman. Got it.
1: Uh I'll talk about that in a second. Yep. Um Benjamin Libet or Libet or Lebet, he passed away in two thousand seven. He did studies on this that the conscious brain isn't aware that you do something let's say you press a button or you you know you do something uh voluntarily uh and then he, he did this study where he timed it uh, he rigged up some kind of i don't know it's it's over my head he he uh rigged up some kind of device to to measure and the conclusion was is that the conscious brain realizes that something is done um after you already did it. Mm. And that the the phrase, I think, is probably one probably from my AP psychology textbook, that the conscious brain is late to the event. To the party? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. I had, um, I should mention his name, uh, former player of mine. He actually holds a school record for hits. He played, well, actually three and a half years. He got injured his freshman year, but uh, had more hits, but he had, uh, he has a school record for hits. His name is Jay Somalowitz. Mm-hmm. He, uh, went to, got a degree in computer engineering and then started his own business, uh, with playgrounds and games and, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, people putting her back,
0: he has his own business. Parkour. Parkour. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just gave up on the computer engineering thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah he read one of my articles and he made a comment on the article on that website, mind design. And, uh, he says, when I hit, well, hit the ball. Well, I didn't even realize that I swung the bat. Mm -hmm. It's on there. I think that's basically, I know the last part is, is basically what he said. He said, I don't even realize that I swung the bat. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't even say that better myself. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's, um, it, it, that's the thing you have to, I mean, think about, the, I, I just saw JJ Blooday, the Marlins, he was talking mm-hmm. about his Arizona, uh, fall league performance, and he talked about when Derek Jeter came to scout him, when he was in college. Mm-hmm. And everybody's saying, do you know Derek Jeter's here? And he says, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, he obviously did well. He got drafted by the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Probably be on the team this year, maybe. And there's the there's the whole thing. If you're s- standing there thinking about, gee, Derek Jeter's here. You know, I better do well. Mm-hmm. You, know, or, you know, pull Mike Schmidt. You know, and start thinking about everything. You know, or George Brett. I'm trying to hit 400. You know, I didn't hit 400 because I tried to hit 400. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another thing in there, where George Brett talks about. It's in that second article where he talks about when he was trying to hit 400 in 1980 in September. And he said, every bat, I, I come to the plate and there's my batting average up on the scoreboard. Like, a, like as high as a six story building or something like that. Mm-hmm. He says, it's like there right in my face. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, I cannot become, you know, I cannot like just turn my brain off and not be aware of my batting average. Every time I come up, it's one minute, it's 400 and then minute it's 399. And the next time it's like till the end of the day, it's 397. Mm-hmm. And that and got to him. He didn't know how to deal with that. And, uh, there's an interesting story about Steve Carlton. I, I don't, I don't even know if I could find that anywhere. It's hard mm-hmm. to find these little articles. I remember these as a kid. Yeah. He never, he used to tune out the public, uh, address announcer and not look at the scoreboard, uh, so that he wouldn't know who was batting, Mm. you know, Mm. who he was facing, you know, Henry Aaron's coming up or, uh, you know, Pete Rose or whoever. And, um, he used to tune it out Mm. and he was kind of aloof and, you know, Mysterious, probably Steve Garland. Probably people didn't understand, but he was on to something.
0: Mm-hmm. Shut everything off. They're just a body. It's just a body. It's a body up there hitting, yeah. and you're throwing against it.
1: He said, I was just throwing to Tim McCarver's glove. Yeah. I didn't even, know right. who was bat- didn't even know who was batting. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's the awareness thing. Well, anyway, to the cup stacking thing, um, and I put the links in the articles. Uh, I'll put the so links I-
0: in the show notes so for those that are listening can check that out.
1: Yeah, the links are in the articles that I wrote and you can put the links um for people to check it out. Uh David Eagleman was a he's still, I guess, a Stanford neuroscientist. And he did a series on PBS um called The Brain with David Eagleman. And and he goes into he he really goes into all this unconscious stuff. And he goes into like everything that you're attracted to, you know women who look a certain way, you know, and you don't even realize mm-hmm. and he went through all this stuff. Of course, the only thing I focused on in the beginning was, you know, he mentioned baseball hitting a baseball. <laughs> I said, there it is.
2: Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: and it was on, it was on uh one of the episodes. I forget which one, maybe episode three or four. He did. He did like, I don't know, 10 of them. Mm. And, um, he, you know, basically, you know, saying the same thing, you know, like he tried to hit a baseball and all this stuff. So he, he had to test it. So he gets at the time a 10 year old cup, uh, stacking champion by the name of Austin Neighbor. He was 10 years old and he and, and Egelman and, and this kid, Austin Neighbor got rigged up to a, EEG, electroencephalogram, to measure their brain waves while they're stacking cups. Of course, you know if you ever try to, you ever try to stack cups? (laughs) Yeah. You ever try to do that? Yep. Like it's like, you know, it's like mechanically like a robot. Mm -hmm. And well, anyway, so Mm -hmm. this kid was a champion cup stacker. I don't know what he does now. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years ago. He's probably like. He might be out of high school by now. Um when he first started doing it, Egelman asked him, How long did it take when you first started doing it? He said, uh, two and a half minutes. It was ten cups. Mm-hmm. And how long does it take you now? He says, five seconds. <laughs> and he said, and the kid couldn't even do it blindfolded. Hmm. And which I used to have my, my players do with their hitting. Mm-hmm. They go through drills, mm-hmm. um, you know, blindfolded or close your eyes and do it. Mm-hmm. You want to feel where your foot is. You want to feel where your shoulder is. You know, like you don't want to see it. Yep. Because it's a different type of process going on in your brain. It's got to go through your eyes and it's got to go, got to wind up in. The occipital lobe in the back and then God knows where it goes from there. Mm. I said, just close your eyes and, and feel it. Like you're not even watching it. And, uh, so anyway, so they rigged them up to the EEGs and, uh, they, they showed them on the program and it's, they're on the links in the article. Mm-hmm. They're on YouTube and David Eagleman's when he was doing it, his EEG just lit up like, you know,
0: Christmas tree, meaning his conscious brain was really active.
1: Yes, his conscious brain—he was going through it step by step, Mm -hmm. you know, methodically. You know, he was thinking through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like when you're a kid and you learn how to ride a bike for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the first time I did it because I crashed.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, you know, you're thinking about what you're doing, and um, the young man at the time. Neighbor, um, his brain didn't light up hardly at all.
2: Mm.
1: There was nothing going on, you know, in the upper regions of his brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was wasn't thinking at all. He wasn't trying, mm-hmm. and um, he wasn't even using a lot of energy, because the brain uses you know, uses energy. Mm-hmm. And and Engelman said, you know, like neighbor's brain was just hardly doing anything. Mm. And mine was like working overtime. Mm-hmm. Actually, in that article Finding His own, Shaneberg talked about that. He called it the paradox mm. that the upper parts of our brains invent the games that we play.
0: Mm. Um, you know. And then the lower parts are the ones that play it.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: He mm-hmm. said, that's
1: the paradox.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like Naismith invented basketball and, you know, whoever invented football and, you know, and uh, it's, you know, that you're up part of your brain. It's like inventing like checkers or chess or clue or monopoly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> There's, you know, you're thinking through this. Right. But like in sports, that part of the brain is circumvented when you play it well. You're not thinking about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, it, when I hear like coaches yelling the kids, get your elbow up, do this, do that, you know, like, you know, and you hear, uh, coaches yelling the kids all these instructions. Why? Mm-hmm. You're only really making them think about something that, you know, you're taking them, you know, away from what is natural. Right. I mean, I mean, Yogi Bear. I think you know, Yogi Bear would probably make most neuroscientists jealous. Um, I mean, he said you can't think and hit at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. True. And, uh,
1: when he was in a slump, they said, you know, Yogi, you know, what are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do about your slump or whatever? You know, how are you gonna combat your slump? He said, I'm not in a slump. I'm just not hitting. and you know it's i mean he knew something i mean you know whatever people's impressions you know he said a lot of crazy things that are very very funny um he's even quoted in my ap psychology book (laughs) i mean it should tell you something right and yogi uh he understood something on a basic human level, I mean, he was no neuroscientist, didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Probably, he was, he probably wouldn't be able to hit. Yeah, and uh, and that's the interesting thing. And it's, um, you know, the results, uh, thinking about the results or worrying about the results or worrying about who's watching. Uh, you, I think you said this on one of your uh. And one of your posts about parents, the worst thing about playing sports for kids is the ride home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think you said that. Am I right? Yeah. Well, I, I, it wasn't my original idea, but it was from either one of my parents or it was from something I read. Yeah.
1: I think I heard it from you first. I mean, uh-huh. that, that's where I heard it. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that's usually the case. And there's another thing in that article. Um, I mean, I, I throw in stuff from, like, all different places the movie last samurai mhm i think you mentioned you like that movie mm-hmm. i think i mentioned it to you yep. and
2: uh, the uh
1: the main character um is captured by the samurai and um he eventually learns the ways of the samurai and one of the things he has to learn is sword fighting but they train with wooden or bamboo swords. Mm-hmm. I think it's called kendo training. Mhm. And uh so he he's really getting his rear end kicked in by the samurai guys who enjoy you know picking on this American. Mm-hmm. And uh but he keeps fighting. And uh the leader of the samurai son his job was to like teach him the way of the samurai. Basically, I didn't try to teach him, you know, kendo training without him getting his rear end kicked in all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. And he says to him, uh, too many mind, too many mind. That means your mind is too
1: active. You're thinking too, you too much. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, um, he says, no mind, mm. you know, no mind, mm. uh, you know, you, you can't, you gotta shut everything off. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, you gotta, you, you too many mind, you minding the sword, you're minding the people watching you, and you're minding the mm-hmm. the enemy. Well, it's the same thing when you're hitting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you, you're thinking about, you know, your bat, you're thinking about the people watching you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then you're trying to deal with the pitcher. And, um, you know, how do you do that? You can't. Yeah. And, and, and for, I found that, I mean, I battled that as a kid and, uh, drove me nuts. The more I tried, the worse I did, the, the, you know, the less I tried, the better I did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, then I, um, I, uh, in the process of writing this article for the,
2: uh, for that,
1: website. Uh Craig Kimbrell shows up and Corbin Burns shows up in the summer. Mm. And I already sent the article in, it was already on there. So I quickly did an update mm. and sent it in. And you know, can you add this to the article? It fits perfectly. Well Kimbrell was the closer in a no hitter, combined no hitter, the Cubs threw against the Dodgers. Mm. Zach Davies, I think, was a starter and uh Ryan Tapero came in and then and Andrew Chafin and, and, uh, and Kimbrell came in last. The last three guys were with the Cubs by the time I was writing the article. And, uh, uh, Kimbrell gets interviewed after the game. He didn't understand why everybody's running out, like celebrate. you know, mm-hmm. like what's going on? You know, like everybody's running out and like, you know, like they won the world series.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: the person who interviewed him, he asked him, he said, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that I was in a no-hitter.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Right.
1: I mean, Mike Schmidt, you know, there you go, Mike Schmidt. You know, he can't be too self-aware. Well, Kern Gimbledon had a no idea he was involved in a no-hitter. I don't Ray. know. He went out of bullpen. I don't know. Because, yeah. I mean, because the bullpen in Wrigley Field is under the sands.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't even
1: know. So, you know, I don't even know. And then Corbin Burns, uh for the Brewers, he struck out – uh 10 guys in a row tying a major league record. And he had no idea that he was doing, he even said, I had no idea. He must've heard Kimbrel. He mm-hmm. said, I had no idea. And mm-hmm. what happened after he started out the 10 guy, the 10th the guy, the catcher threw the ball into the dugout. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and he goes, uh, like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing the ball in the dugout? Mm-hmm. And then he realized that he tied this record. Mm-hmm. First pitch to the next batter, I forget what he months. Line drive single, right fit.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah he,
1: broke, he broke the spell. Broke the spell. You know, and, and he had no idea. And he said after the game, he said, I had no idea. It's like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as soon as somebody called his attention to it, he gives up a line drive single.
0: Breaks the spell.
1: Up, yeah. I think he wound up striking out 15. I think he pitched like, uh, I don't know, maybe eight innings that day, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. They struck out 15, mm-hmm. but there's the point. I mean, yeah. I mean, at an interrupt, he, you know, he lost, he fell out of his zone. You know, he, he, somebody drew his attention to it. Right. And, you know, it's,
0: well, that's a know. great, that's a great story, Joe, to, to end this one on, on uh, like an unconscious and the conscious brain, the differences between the two Um before we, before I let you go, um, any anywhere people can find you, reach out, email you. Yeah. I
1: I uh I created a new email mm-hmm. called uh it's the hitting mindset. One word across at gmail dot com. Okay. The hitting mindset. mm mm-hmm. nobody has used that yet. <laughs> and, uh, in fact I might even, you know, who knows what I'm gonna do with that. I mean, yes. this this is like a work in progress.
0: Yep. Uh it's you know, we'll see. Mind design, minddesign.org and that's
1: mind uh mind,
0: .org, And I'll link those in the show notes for people that can go to the exact articles.
1: I think I think mine are the only baseball articles on there. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, there's one about uh, distractions like getting people you know out of their conscious mind. Mm-hmm. I reference Lindor and, uh, Baez mm-hmm. and the whole thing they had with the Yankees. Um, they were, you know, stealing pitches that Taiwan Walker was tipping supposedly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they knew that in the second inning.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: you know, and I didn't know why they had their Lattice Whistler, a reliever, Wandy Peralton, a bullpen in the second inning. So obviously somebody knew something mm-hmm. from somewhere you know, scouting or somebody tipped somebody off and yep. and I related that story. But all the controversy with Baez and, and Lindor, mm-hmm. they created so much controversy and so much ill will and and uh that they forgot damn Lindor forgot that he was you know doing terribly. Yeah. <laughs> he had three home runs against the uh against the Yankees that weekend. Hmm. I mean completely you know the, the old Francisco Lindor just showed up. Yeah. I mean, he was probably thinking so much about everybody hating him and, and thumbs down this and thumbs down that and the whole business that he just forgot about how bad he was hitting all year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it worked. And it, in that article too, I, I related to, uh, obviously the, the movie The Legend Bagger Pants
2: mm-hmm.
1: and golf and the natural. Remember when, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn Close, uh, got up, you know, he was in, in a horrendous slump in Chicago and she gets up and everybody's telling her to sit down and the sun was shining from behind her. Mm-hmm. She was like, thinking, like a, an angel, you know, dressed all in white. Mm-hmm. Then he hits one, breaks the clock on the scoreboard and mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. Well, that, that'd be a good, uh, good part three, the distractions, like how to do those, those panic interrupts, but, um, yeah, that's,
1: uh, that's
0: in, that's in the – uh that's one of the three articles. And Very cool. That's that. Very cool. Well, hey, Joe, thanks for your time again today, man. Yeah, we'll have to do a, a part three eventually. Bench- we'll get to <laughs> 10 probably, I'm sure. <laughs> but thank you for your time.
1: You too. Are you going to stick around a little bit after you close us down?
0: Yes, sir. All right. Thanks. So, so thanks again for your time, brother.
2: All right, you too.